Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're having a good day. I got to say, the market, it's it's just real. The market's just really, really strange these days, and there's just no way of putting it. And I, and I have to look into a little bit more, but I had a friend recently tell me that he's been noticing that the market goes down every single day. And then on Friday it goes back up, but the overall trend showing the market, it's just showing the market keeps going down right now. And maybe that's something I'll look more into in more depth later, but it was a thought that I just had today when I was looking at the markets in general. Today, we're going to be talking about home buyers and how they're canceling their deals at the highest rate since the start of COVID, which is another interesting topic because housing prices have just been all over the map recently from what we've covered on this podcast. Okay. There's news from frontier frontier is actually telling spirit to further delay the vote a little bit for their potential merger or the potential merger with JetBlue, which is weird because frontier has been pretty silent across the board on this. Then Twitter shares, they sink 11% after Elon Musk terminates the $44 billion deal. And if I'm not mistaken, I was reading reports or hearing reports earlier today, too, that lawyers are being called in for Twitter in order to get Elon to buy Twitter. Then finally, we're going to end today talking today's podcast with talking about how the EU is to raise inflation rates. Um, and they forecast amid the fear of a full cut to Russian gas. And potentially, too, there's another article that is somewhat related about how in Texas right now, the electric companies are telling people to to not use as much energy right now. And so now I'm starting to think potentially now too, there'll be an energy crisis in the United States, but we'll cover that in a minute. But like I always say in the beginning of each podcast, guys, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company or stock in general. This whole podcast is for information purposes only. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape or form. And you need to go talk to your own financial advisor because they understand your situation a lot better. I cannot legally give you advice on where to invest. And if I have any positions in companies, if I ever bring up certain companies, I'll make sure that I mention that I hold positions in those companies based off the articles we're reading if it's brought up. With that being said, guys, let's begin today's podcast. Home buyers are canceling deals at the highest rate since the start of the pandemic. Okay. From CNBC, Americans are canceling deals to buy homes at the highest rate since the start of the COVID pandemic. The share of sale agreements on existing homes canceled in June was just under 15% of all homes that went under contract, according to a new report from Redfin. That is the highest share since since early 2020 when home buying passed immediately. Um, L beat briefly. Cancellations were about 11% one year ago. Higher mortgage rates and surging inflation are causing many potential home buyers to reconsider their purchases. The average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage rate started this year around 3% and then began rising steadily. It briefly shot above 6% in mid-June before settling in a narrow range around 5.75% now, according to Mortgage News Daily. Higher mortgage rates have also caused some borrowers to no longer qualify for loans they want. Lenders generally use a front-end debt-to-income ratio of about 28% of the ceiling of for home loans. 
The cost of owning a medium-priced home in the second quarter required 31.5% of the average U.S. wage, according to a report by Adam, a property data provider. That's the highest percentage since 2007 and up 24% the year before, marking the biggest jump in more than two decades. Buyers are also seeing the once red-hot market turn quickly and dramatically. They may no longer see the urgency in bidding for a home that might uh, depreciate in the coming year. Quote, the slowdown in the housing market competition is giving home buyers room to negotiate, which is one reason more of them are backing out of deals, said Taylor Marr, Redfin's deputy chief economicist. Buyers are increasingly keeping rather than waiving inspection and appraisal um, contingencies. That gives them the flexibility to call the deal off if issues arise during the home buying process. And then finally, last thing we'll say is home builders are seeing higher cancellation rates even before the sharpest increase in rates in June. Cancellations in May jumped to 9.3% in the survey of builders by John Burns Real Estate Consulting. That compares with 6.6% in May of 2021. Quote, buyer remorse and cancellations shortly after contract are increasing. Builders state buyers are nervous about potentially recession, struggling to get comfortable with higher payments or expecting home prices to decline, said Jody Khan, senior vice president at JBREC. Khan also noted that in her mid-June survey, she continued to see cancellations on the rise. I think one reason too, just in general, I think we've talked about this in past podcasts too, about the housing market, because it is one of the segments that we talk about a lot, because it tends to appear the most when we are talking on this podcast, or at least when I'm doing research for this podcast. I think people can't afford it. I think people can't afford houses anymore. And it just talked about in that article, but I honestly really, really believe right now people cannot afford these prices, okay? I was speaking to a friend yesterday. This is actually the same friend that we were actually talking about earlier in this podcast about how he's, what he saw as the market trends. But when listening to him talk yesterday, he had mentioned that in the state of Utah right now, like housing prices were just really through the roof right now. Like they were the highest they've ever been. Now, granted, parts of Silicon Valley are moving to Utah, in the, uh, I think the Valley, I think it's called in between Lehigh and Salt Lake, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of Silicon Valley tech companies are moving there. And at the end of the day, at least in Utah, as we were talking about Utah's market might be getting a little oversaturated. And then another friend had mentioned that California's housing market will go up and then plateau and then continue to go up. But California's housing market has a tendency not to drop as much. At least that's what he was saying. I think at the end of the day, people are not going to be able to afford housing soon, in, in all honestly. And there's a giant bubble in the making, at least in my opinion. <clears throat> now, it won't, probably won't be as bad as 2008. <clears throat> but I honestly believe that people are going to be struggling with buying homes going forward. People just can't afford it. Interest rates are going up currently right now, too, from the Federal Reserve. And people are not going to be able to afford the down payments on homes going forward. And if you have bought a home right now, I mean... I hope you can be able to weather the storm that's potentially coming because if it becomes too much, you you might not be able to afford the home either. This isn't financial advice, obviously, but it is something to always think about because the housing market, at least right now, it just seems to be way overpriced in general. And wages, I believe we've read in the past that wages aren't keeping up. And so it's just really hard to believe that people are going to keep wanting to buy homes when the housing market just seems like people can't afford homes right now. And we've talked about this in the past. In fact, Lowe's and Home Depot was hit recently, I believe last quarter or yeah, the last quarter, I believe it was because they didn't think that the housing market was going to be able to stand. And we've read it in past reports as well. So I'd listened to some of these past podcast guys about the housing market to know what the heck is going on. So that this makes a little bit more sense for the June article we just read. 
On to the next article. Frontier urges Spirit to delay vote again, allow shareholders to consider best and final offer. Okay. Frontier, Frontier Airlines has asked Spirit Airlines to further delay a shareholder vote on their planned merger to, dr- to drum up more support from investors amid a bidding war with rival suitor JetBlue Airways. In a letter sent to Spirit CEO dated Ju- uh, Sunday, Frontier CEO Barry uh, Biffle called the airline recently sweetened cash and stock bid to combine with the fellow budget carrier is the last and last best and final offer and raised concerns about a lack of shareholder support for the deal first announced in February. Spirits had re- repeatedly delayed a shareholder vote on the Frontier tie-up and continued talks with both airlines and gathered votes. JetBlue is offering $3.7 billion all-cash deal. Frontier CEO sent his letter, we still remain far from obtaining approval from the Spirit stockholders. Biffle requested that Spirit propose its shareholder meeting, now slated for July 15th to July 27th, to allow more time to garner votes in favor of the merger, unless a majority of votes in favor of the combination have been received by 11 a.m. on July 15th, which ironically is in four days. So I really hope this deal gets announced what's happening because, and I'll, I'll, actually I'll cover that in a second. CNBC last week reported that Spirit didn't appear to have enough votes to support the merger, according to people familiar with the matter. Quote, as has been the case throughout this process, we remain committed to this transaction, Frontier Biffle wrote. However, should the Spirit Board of Directors conclude that it would instead desire to pursue an alternative transaction with JetBlue, we would appreciate being advised of that determination. Shares of both companies were off midday trading, with Spirit down 1.7% and Frontier less than 1%. After the letter was made public in the securities filings, shares of JetBlue were down 2.1%. A merger between Spirit and Frontier created a a budget carrier behemoth, behemoth, though neither combination would create the fifth largest carrier in the U.S. behind American, Delta, United, and Southwest. Spirit has repeatedly rebuffed JetBlue's advances, arguing the takeover by the airline would would likely unlikely to win approval from the Justice Department. Frontier made the same argument in its letter Sunday, noting that a recent determination by the Department of Transportation that granted Spirit 16 additional slots at Net, at Newark Liberty International Airport determined the airline that had a competitive advantage over JetBlue and other applic- applicants. Yeah, my personal opinion, Spirit's trying to. I think Spirit's just trying to delay in general. I've, I've mentioned this in the past. I think Spirit's realizing that they're not going to get the merger that they want and Frontier's also feeling the same way too. I mean, I think if I remember correctly reading somewhere, you, you're looking at potential gains in the future with the Frontier merger or you're dealing with you get the cash now from JetBlue, okay? And with a lot of uncertainty right now, JetBlue looks like it's going to be the winner by far and Frontier's not going to be able to survive, this potential merger because JetBlue has the cash and they're willing to do what they need to. And it's almost an instant gain if you are a shareholder of Spirit. Whereas Frontier, you're not guaranteed to make money in the future because you are getting cash and stock. And I think a lot of people are going to be going with the cash option because it's a more guaranteed route of making money during this time. But I believe higher up people within Spirit and Frontier are purposely delaying this because they're trying everything in their power to get the votes they need to make this happen. It's a little disgusting. And like I always say, this is my opinion, but it just seems a little suspicious that when there's an all cash offer, <clears throat> Spirit's, Spirit's response is, well, the Justice Department won't approve of this. The Justice Department may not, not even approve your deal with Frontier. Hello, Spirit. But they don't mention that. So it just seems like a lot of just insiders being like, nope, we got to make this happen between Spirit and Frontier. Forget JetBlue. So... We'll see what happens. We're going to keep paying attention. And whenever there's new announcements, we're going to talk about it. 
Onto the tech sector, speaking of mergers and acquisitions, Twitter shares sink 11% after Elon Musk terminates the $44 billion deal. Twitter shares sank in pre-market trade Monday after Elon Musk said that he is trying to terminate his $44 billion takeover of the company. Shares of the social media platform closed down 11%. Tesla, where Musk is CEO, fell about 6.5%. On Friday, Musk attorney notified Twitter board that he wants to cancel the deal. The billionaire has taken issue with the number of bots and fake accounts on Twitter. It says that the company isn't being truthful about how much activity on the service is authentic. Twitter, on the other hand, says it's given Musk the information he needs to assess its claim. And spam accounts make up only 5% of the monetable daily active users, including its so-called firehouse, correction, firehose, and unfiltered real-time stream of daily tweets. Brett Taylor, Twitter's board chairman, said the company would pursue legal action in the Delaware Court of Chancery to enforce the agreement. Must responded Monday by posting a meme mocking Twitter's management over the botched deal. It features images of Musk laughing alongside text claim the company's trying to be forced, <laughs> correction, claiming the company's trying to force him to buy in the court. A Twitter sp- spokesperson declined to comment on the meme. The two parties are likely to set for a proactive court battle. According to lawyers, Musk could be faced with paying a $1 billion breakup fee for walking away. Musk is one of Twitter's most popular users with more than 100 million followers. He used the social media site for everything from corporate communication for his various companies to bashing the very platform he previously wanted to acquire over gripes with content rules and fake accounts. Richard Windsor, founder and research company Radio Free Mobile, said Musk desire to greatly uh, renegotiate the 5420 price he agreed to pay for Twitter was likely the reason from for his exit of the deal. As of Friday, Twitter shares were, were worth 32% less than Musk agreed deal price. While Windsor is not a Twitter shareholder, he said that if he he was, he'd sell now. I totally agree. Elon Musk, I don't know what's going to happen in the end, but I still think Elon's going to end up having to buy this company in the end. But as I remember hearing in a radio show on the way to work the other day, Elon is technically not wanting to buy because at the time when he was thinking about buying Twitter, the market was at a higher value and therefore Twitter had a much higher evaluation. And now with the share sinking across the board, it doesn't matter what sector you're looking at. It just seems like everything's tanking in the market. And so a lot of valuations are dropping with it. And so it's it's just hard to believe that Twitter is now worth that much more. And I totally agree with Elon on this regard. I don't see how it's worth that much currently right now. But we're gonna keep we're gonna continue keeping an eye on this story as it develops because even now I believe I'm reading reports that lawyers from Twitter are now forcing Musk into court. And this could take a while. I mean, we could be reporting this in a year from now on this podcast and still be talking about this Twitter deal for Elon because it's going to take a while. So we'll see what happens. On to some European news. EU to raise inflation forecast as officials prepare for a permanent cut to Russian gas. Oh boy, it's going to happen in Europe soon. What I've been saying for a while now. Europe, you're in for a very cold winter soon if this happens. From Brussels, the Eurozone economy is expected to face higher inflation both this year and in 2023. Officials told CNBC on Monday. While plans are being stepped up for the prospect of a permanent cut to Russian gas supplies, Europe has been under intense pressure in the wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine with higher energy costs pushing up inflation across the region. This this economic reality is unlikely to change anytime soon, with new forecasts pointing to an upward revision in consumer prices across the block. Quote, what we see is that the economy, sorry, quote, what we see is that economic growth is 
proving quite resilient this year. Still, one can expect some downward revisions and even more so for the next year because many of the uncertainties and risk. Vladis, an executive vice president of the European Commission, told reporters ahead of a meeting on the financial finance minister, quote, unfortunately, inflation continues to surprise on the upside. So it's once again going to be revised upwards, he added. The European Commission, the EU's executive arm, will present will present new economic forecasts on Thursday. Back in May, the institution projected a growth rate of 2.7% for this year and 2.3% for next year, both for the EU and the euro area. In terms of inflation in the euro area, the commissioner said that it would hit 6.1% in 2022 before falling to 2.7% in 2023. Higher inflation could add further pressure to the European Central Bank, which is expected to raise rates for the first time in 11 years next week. You know, it's good to see that we're not the only ones here in the United States that have had low interest rates for so long. And now Europe is now having to raise theirs for the first time in 11 years. We were really addicted as a world to cheap money. It's insane. We're, we're going to live in a world where money's no longer cheap and people can't borrow money in order to invest into the future. Okay. I'm not saying I'm for cheap money. Okay. But we've become addicted to cheap money. At least some investors have been says here, continuing on, we are preparing for at the EU level. France economy minister Bruno Le Maire said over the weekend that European needed that Europe needed to prepare itself for a total cutoff of Russian gas supply. Energy analysis believe that the risk of a temporary interruption is high, particularly as Russian gas flows have already dropped to about 60% recent months. Speaking to CNBC, uh, Dombros Dombroskis said working assumption does not include a complete cut in Russian gas supplies in the coming months. However, this is not a risk we can exclude, he said. Clearly, we are preparing at the EU level, but also the EU member states are prepared also for this eventually. Continuing on, the commission is due to outline suggestions next week for how the EU countries should prepare for the winter and amid reduced gas supplies from Russia. It's very simple. Europe, you've got to now make a decision. Is it more important to have your citizens freeze to death all winter? Or is it more important to now turn on the coal, turn on the nuclear, turn on the th geothermo? I mean, you got to figure this out. And I hope when this is all said and done, Europe, that you don't go back to your old ways of being like, oh, we're so great because we try not to use as much oil. But in reality, we're just taking Russian oil. A lot of countries have pretty much shot themselves in the foot. They really have. This whole Green New Deal climate change narrative, like there's gonna be a lot of people suffering this winter in Europe, it looks like, across the board. It's really hard to say. I mean, at least in my opinion, if you're already having to save up for gas now, that tells me everything I need to know currently. It means you're desperate for oil and gas in the future. Okay, it says Europe has been dependent on Russian gas supplies for several years and key industries rely on the commodity work. This is the case in Germany, for instance, where chemical factories and steel production facilities use natural gas as a raw material. Hmm. I wonder how the steel industry, steel industry is going to get affected going forward. And I wonder if Germany now is going to be facing crisis too, an economic one too, since I think Germany is the hub of all economic activity. A significant risk. In fact, gas prices in Europe saw further volatility on Monday amid concerns that Russia could stop sending gas to Europe via the Nord Stream 1. The pipeline, which runs from Russia to Germany under the Baltic Sea, was closed from Monday until July 21st for annual summer maintenance. It has stoked fears that Moscow may not restart supplies once the works are concluded. 
A spokesperson for Germany, economics ministry, said that it's difficult to predict what Russia will do after the date, according to Rudders. Ireland's fine minister, uh, correction, Ireland's finance minister told CNBC that a permanent cut to Russian gas supplies would be a significant risk. Quote, it is, of course, a concern and is something that we are monitoring very actively, Donahoe said, pointing out that the 12 EU econo economies are currently, correction, economies were currently being affected by fewer gas supplies. Quote, steps are being taken in short term of building up our capacity for gas storage. Yeah, you guys are... And then it says, in the medium term regarding alternative sources of energy other than important gas, we also recognize that significant risk that we have done this now for some time, he said. Dude, Europe is screwed. You guys are so, so screwed if this isn't resolved soon. And it's going to be a very, very cold winter. But you don't worry, Europe. You're not alone in this. Because according to the climate section from CNBC, Texas grid operator tells residents to curb power as heat hits record highs in Texas. Texas grid operator is warning residents to conserve energy for the second time this year. It's fears mount over potential rolling blackouts amid scorching temperatures this week. The Electric Reliable Council of Texas, which manages about 90% of the state's electricity load, said that residents and businesses should turn up the thermostat by at least one degree Fahrenheit and not use any major appliances between 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. Central Time on Monday. The Texas regulatory also projected a shortage in energy reserves on Monday with no market solution available but said it does not expect system-wide outages. Less than 10% of the wind power generators will be available on Monday. ERCOT said further lowering the amount of available power in, in the state. Quote, the heat wave that has settled on Texas and much of the central United States is driving increased electric use. EROCT said in a statement, while solar power is generally reaching near full generational capacity, wind generation is currently generating significantly less than what is historically generated in the time period. Continuing on, roughly 50 million people in the U.S. were under heat warnings of advi advisories over the weekend. According to the National Weather Service, heat indexes reached over 110 degrees in southeast Texas on Sunday, leading to record high power demand that's, a, that's put pressure on the grid. Record power usages caused by extreme weather have prompted concerns over the vulnerability of the state's grid system following a deadly winter storm in February 2021 that left millions of residents without power for days. <sighs> There's going to be, I, I mean, the news is everywhere, guys. Like Sri Lanka, for instance. We talked about this yesterday, but Sri Lanka is having a crisis. And one of the reasons is because of energy. Europe is going to have a crisis because of energy. Parts of the Middle East are going to have a crisis probably because of energy. Well, maybe not as much. They'll have a crisis because of food. Who knows what's going to happen in Africa at this point with energy or food. But in the United States, we're probably going to be facing energy crisis too. I think Texas is just the start, to be all honest, if, if, if I'm being completely honest. There's reports right now that, and we've, we've talked about this in past podcasts, and I'd advise listening to anything that has to do with energy if you want to know what's going on with energy within this country. Joe Biden's been shipping oil overseas from our strategic reserve. Okay. We're not drilling as much as we used to in the United States because we, we just can't apparently anymore. But one of the reasons being is that Joe Biden has been canceling a lot of these potential drilling projects. Then he blames the oil companies. And then at the same time, he blames gas companies for not being able to do things. He blames everyone, but his executive orders. The market's going to keep going crazy with oil in general. The demand's going to be too high soon, in my honest opinion. 
And I also think that Texas is just the first state that's going to be feeling this. I think other states are going to eventually almost be saying the same thing. Now, whether it gets covered or not, is a completely different story. One of the reasons probably why Texas is being talked about is because Texas is one of the bigger states in the United States by far, and probably has the most demand for energy by far out of any other state. Now, granted, California probably has just as much a demand for energy as well, but California's main issue is, has always been water, not electricity. Texas seems to be the state that has the most energy concerns at times. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we start reading about other states who are telling their people in their states, hey, we got to cut back on energy. Eventually, people are going to get fed up. People are too comfortable in luxury life in the first world. Okay. And when I mean by first world, I mean Europe, Europe countries, European countries, at least the Western side of Europe. I don't know how it is on the Eastern side. Parts of the United, the United States by far, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Those are what I consider first world countries. Japan would be another one, I believe. We live in a world that we have a lot of comforts. And eventually, either governments or people, they're going to have to decide what's more important. Government's already made up its mind right now. And the market's already making up their mind too. Government firmly believes they have to save the world. That's totally fine, okay? I mean, the market's going to create new products and services all the time. But eventually people are going to get fed up with this. They really are. And if gas prices keep going up, things are just going to keep getting insane every single day. And I know I'm, I'm just beating an old record, but I don't mind covering the oil and gas sector of things because it needs to be talked about. Because it's a conversation that no one's willing to have at times. And we have to be willing to have these conversations if we want to come up with any solutions in the future about how to get things done. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast so we can help grow this channel and this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about these market events that are happening. And maybe if we keep growing this podcast too, we can eventually be able to start doing video streams as well. That's a goal of mine eventually, but we're not there yet exactly. So please like and share this video with friends or family. Please share it with friends or family too and tell them to subscribe as well if they can because like I said, every like and subscription we get can help grow this channel so that we can keep talking about what's happening in the market at times. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.